All right, we're here with another episode. It's got me and we got Steve. So we're going to start off with what's happening right now. And that is going to be Georgia. Uh, yes. So, so the, uh, the, the thing that I find funny, right? So we, we, have, we have all these legal challenges in all these different states. And actually, some of them are, are pretty interesting. Like I think the, uh, there, there was just a, le a recent lawsuit filed in Pennsylvania today that argued that uh, mail-in ballots violated the constitution of the state. And, and I think that's an interesting argument. But the Georgia – For that matter. It would be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, yeah, and and I mean, like, when we start talking about these things, I've seen half a dozen different conspiracy theories. I think anything that Sidney Powell's touting is a conspiracy theory. Not the Dominion stuff, but the whole, like, Hugo Chavez bit was a little bit much. Um, you should never You should never tie anything three or four layers deep. That's just a general rule. Um, but, but well, you know, you I, I mentioned... Smartmatic to uh, Chavez, and you can tie that to... And Dominion. that's true. But... We're also falling back a few years, and then we're getting into the Soros black hole where information right. goes to die. So, well, I think I think the funny part was that CNN put out this debunking article, and then in that debunking article, saying, "Hey, you know, we uh, we're going to fact check this claim that it can be tied to these three people." They they in the article tie it to those three people, and you're like, "Come on, guys! Like, how long can you live in cognitive dissonance?" But. Uh, you know, I think last week I, I said that, that I think Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania look suspicious, right? They look oh, suspicious like to me. overly so, you could even say. Right, overly so. So, so if, there's, if there are shenanigans, that's where our, we're going to find them because that's where you're starting to see the things that – like the 150-plus thousand votes that just get dumped in a single dump, and they're 100 percent for Biden. Those kinds of things show up in – those elections, right? Or, the three hundred and fifty percent plus. Example from that is uh, what is it with the Michigan stuff in uh, Wayne yep. County? They were like, "Yeah, we we want to bring the suit," and the judge is like, "You can't bring a suit. This is totally normal." And it's like, "Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You're you're telling me that it's totally normal for there to be seventy two percent voting irregularities? Yeah, that's that. Has yeah, yeah. Hold on, yeah. That's hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Yeah." Uh, you know, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Republicans aren't doing it for like, you know, tribalistic reasons. That's absolutely a possibility. Well, on that but, specific note, that's why we need to get into Georgia because there's talk that Brian Kemp might have uh, played a hand in a little bit of fuckery a couple years back, and might be why he's been so steadfast against a hard audit. Well, that, that's the weird thing, right? So, so the, you know, people are sitting there and going, oh, why is Trump requesting a recount? Well, he's not requesting a recount, and a recount is what they did the first time, yeah. right? A recount is what they did where they physically go through and hand count the ballots, and that's fantastic and all that. But what they originally said is that they were going to go through and do an audit, and they were going to find the people who voted twice, and they were going to find the people who forged signatures. And they were going to find all this stuff, and then they did – Absolutely none of that. So the recount was literally just counting the ballots. Now, I trust the machines. I actually trust the machines more than I trust the human recount because the machines don't really lie. So as long as there is no duplicitous stuff with the software, which goes back into the Dominion stuff, that may be a whole separate can of worms to open, but I haven't seen any direct yeah, evidence of that. The USB gate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's. I think Dr. Shiva did a really good analysis of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that. I've 
I've seen kind of a breakdown of it, but from my understanding, yeah, he's he's pretty methodical and reasonable. His uh, his approach was to stratify the ballots by percent of because because he wanted to see if it was like anti-Trump bias, right, rather than a pro Biden Biden bias. Mm-hmm. So he stratified the counties as a percentage of votes that would normally go to Trump. So that's on a zero to a hundred scale. And then he uh, he sat there and he basically said. Uh, percent of of down ticket Biden ba- or down ticket Republican ballots and uh, divided by Trump. So if they're if Trump and the Republicans are on every ballot, he said that's the zero point. If there are more Republican votes than there are Trump votes, then we start I going to the Republican negative numbers. And if Republican. there's more Trump votes, what's that? You mean Republican or Republican? Republican. Yeah. No. 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 Let's let's leave that whole <laughs> that whole four chan. God knows where people – some people have, like, way too much time when you start analyzing the individual fonts that are used, right? Like, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous. Just have a cup of coffee uh, and you'll be better. Right, exactly. Exactly. Typos, typos are a thing. Uh, to sit there and assume that there was no, uh, no typo is I, – I've had random capitals and words uh, at – just where it's just the brain and the, the 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 fingers have a disconnect. But when we start talking about the the software regulators, what Shiva did was he he ended up showing that in more Democrat counties, we actually saw a higher percentage of Trump votes per regular uh, to to down ticket votes. Essentially, there are more Trump votes than there are Republican votes in Democrat counties. But in Republican counties, there is significantly less Trump votes than there are Republican votes. And he, it actually has a correlation of a linear line, which uh, – and, and I think he, he found like a 0.98 R-squared factor. And for people who don't understand, right, you don't find 0.98 R-squared factors. That doesn't happen. It's not a thing. We're, we're like, basically talking about you walked out onto the beach and, oh, look, a pebble, except it's a perfect sphere. Uh, more like you walked out onto the beach, you found a pebble, it was a perfect sphere, and it was 100% gold, <laughs> right? Fair enough. Like it, just, it just doesn't happen. It's, it, it requires uh, a whole spectacular thing. Now, you could make the assumption that maybe, uh, essentially, in order for his results to happen, you'd have to make the argument that the more Republican you get, the less they like Trump. And the more Democrat you get, the more they like Trump. And that doesn't really hold a lot of water. Yeah, it doesn't uh, so, quite track, so, as you might. So his analysis was pretty good, and that, I think that was Michigan is what he does. And I've seen some of the other mathematical analysis. We talked a little bit about Benford's Law. Sorry. Random numbers are random numbers. I, I just I can't really get behind the Benford's Law argument. Um, but when we start talking about Georgia, Georgia is very interesting. I left that out of the group of three states that I was suspicious of last week. Um, and in the recount, in the hand recount, where they actually had people looking at these things, they, they ended up having a bunch more complaints come out, where essentially they started seeing, like, well, perfectly filled in circles. They were ahead of uh, elections, didn't it? Um, that, was, that, yeah. or was that Wisconsin? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember who who got fired. Well, I'll have I'll have the link to it. Actually, I'll yeah. find out real quick. But continue. I'll get an answer. I think the the Republicans were requesting the Georgia person get recalled, but that was just because it had gone to Biden essentially. Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, Floyd County 
fired their uh, election director. Yeah. So, um, wouldn't it be great if there was a George County? I'm just saying. That would be a fantastic thing. Well, Georgia, boy, <laughs> but anyway. All right. So we have um, what a lot of people may Georgia may not understand. Georgia Floyd. Mm, big think. <laughs> what a lot of people may not understand is what they ended up doing was they found in three counties they found USB sticks that were not counted previously. And oddly enough, all of those USB sticks were for Trump, essentially, right? Like it was a net vote of – there were some votes for Biden in there, yeah, but it was a net vote for Trump. Also, they uh, and that zero to one of them too for Biden. What's that? They had added a zero. It was like 10,962, where it was actually 1,960, uh, that, like that. that was on the exterior of a box. So the, bo the original machine count was like 1,700 ballots, and they listed as like 10,700-something ballots. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they added a zero, <laughs> and then somebody said, wait a minute, let's recount this. And... Uh, and that had to get fixed. But what they didn't do, so we were we were promised an audit, right? And I, I, you know, I think most people can appreciate an audit from the perspective of like the IRS comes on and gives you an audit, right? And that's where the government comes in and takes its fist and it shoves it so far up your rectum that it gets to beat your heart for you. Like it knows everything there is to know about every account that you have to own. It is the greatest invasion of privacy that there could possibly be. And somehow that's what we were promised. And what we got was a hand recount where they said, oh, yep, this is for Biden. Oh, yep, that is for Trump. And never but the machines the are. Election officials that were there watching that told us of the odd chicanery that was going on during the recount. Right. Well, that's, I mean, I. The problem that I think that we're going to run into is we're always going to have people who are going to be arguing there's odd chicanery in any of these counts. You know what I mean? Like there, there is an incentive to find odd chicanery, so they're going to find odd chicanery. So I don't necessarily put faith in that, but what I was very surprised by is that they didn't do things like signature verification. You know, actually verifying that the ballots are real ballots and that nobody tried to stuff a couple extra ones in the box. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and it's kind of weird, too, because a lot of this stuff, you start thinking about it as an engineer, and you're like, ha, could I fix this problem? You're like, yeah, I could. If I serialize the ballots, then I know how many were sent out, and I know how many were received, well, <laughs> I would that. be able I mean, to present the difference. There's even, you know, relatively simple solutions. You know, you can track any package that goes through the USPS. It would really well, not be much of anything to put... The equivalent yeah. of tracking number per ballot. You know, you you sign well, in that's, your yeah, that's, gov site, that's kind of thing. Put in your number and track to see that your ballot has or has not been counted. And then yep. you know, just verify that the votes that went in were the votes that you cast. It it really would be quite simple. It, if people were really truly concerned about doing this in the future, I would be okay with doing a blockchain thing. Right, blockchain would have all of the technology built in ahead of time to basically let you do an audit instantaneously, and it would provide the opportunity for people to vote at home. But I'm, somehow, I'm still not too keen on that. I'd I'd rather a more archaic method that's pretty well air gapped. Just just because I mean we've seen that quantum computers can break pretty hefty encryption, so you know better to side on the uh, air on the side of caution, in my opinion. I mean, I think the blockchain would still provide you that because uh, it's not like an encryption. 
if if it would be a series of transactions, each of which is coded in the block, I suppose there's some ways that you could cause a problem or an upset uh, an upset in the uh, the computing of it, but I don't I think mean, it would be as easy like as you uh, think. Spoofing addresses and that sort of thing, but I mean, it it can be done, and I'd honestly, well, how did we get elections done up until the year 2020? Good good God, how did we do it back in 1990? Well, I mean, you know, back in 1990, they didn't they didn't really have this mass mail-in ballot thing that they're they're having a problem with. And most people had ID and all of these other things that the Democrats have spent the last racist, 10 years to asking a person for their ID to vote is very racist and I can't believe you would even say so. I you know, I I hear that. I hear that and and my only response to that is I want people to explain to me why it is that black people are uniquely incapable of getting a driver's license. That's all I'm asking. Right? You needed to buy alcohol, you needed to get your meds, you needed for healthcare treatment. Well, I, like, for one, I'd say you better not ask black people because they're going to have an answer for you. And, well, in the, the few videos I've seen that people have gone to the trouble, uh, they, they seem a little offended that someone would assume that they don't know how to get a simple ID that you have to use to do almost anything in the world of today. Yeah, right? Like, that's that's the, I you know, if you want to, so, so like I said, I used to be a progressive. And if you want to talk about one of the arguments that was like in that background of, hey, I don't really understand what you're saying and how this could be like disenfranchising people, I just I just don't understand how you find it to be disenfranchised, how, how you can make the argument and argue that people who are asking for voter ID are racist because it presumes that somehow black people can't get one, right? And you're like, hold on a moment. <laughs> Let's... Let's pause here. <laughs> Please explain to me how black people can't obtain a driver's license. What What is unique about black people in that they, they are somehow incapable of doing the same thing that the rest of us do to function in society? I just blew my mind as a, well, as a, as a progressive a example, Or a simple, uh, simple explanation for you. When you have roughly 70% voting irregularities in every county of Michigan, well, you know, you have to come <laughs> up with a reason. You know, and that's that's actually a whole interesting thing, right? So, so I've seen uh, the the argument the Dems have made for that is that hey, this is perfectly normal, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of sketchy. So, uh, you know, what 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 the the argument that they've made is that that can just be caused by some people who showed up, signed in to vote, and didn't actually cast a ballot. So, pause for a moment. Somebody waited in line to the point where they got to the table where they could sign in their name. They were handed a ballot, and they said, man, after waiting for all of that time, it's just too much work to fill out the ballot. this. Paper and pen and what? And how do I I make this work? Yeah, yeah. On on one hand, you're, you're either arguing, right? that there is a a serious problem with the system because that that's what you do you exchange your signature for a ballot that's that's how this works that's how this works pretty much everywhere in the country uh you sign into a book that says i have arrived i am voting and you take your ballot and you go and so somehow if you have a 70 percent discrepancy or 70 it's not like there's a, a difference between here and there it's it's these polling locations 70% of them are out of balance in which case that means either 
there are more votes cast than there are signatures in the book, or there are more signatures in the book than there are votes cast. Now, the latter is a little bit more explainable with people walking out, but I still just don't believe that somebody would wait in line, get handed a ballot, and say, oh, man, fuck this. This is too much trouble. Out we go. <laughs> like, you've already gotten all the way there to do the one task that you were sent there to do. What'd you do? You just wanted the I voted sticker, but you didn't want to throw a ballot in? You know what I mean? Well, but, I'll say this. In my experience, and I had to wait like an hour and a half to get my vote in. I went ahead and voted early. But in my experience, I uh, waited through the line. I got in the door, waited in the next line. Then I got to the sign-in place. And then I signed in, and they gave me my ballot and took me directly to the machine. So, if I understand it correctly, that's a pretty standardized procedure in, well, basically all Well, I mean, so when I voted in New Hampshire, uh, uh, you know, years ago, that was, I did have to wait in line for a long time. Uh, but in, here in New York, where I'm at right now, I walked in, I didn't wait in any lines, I got my ballot, I had to sign the book. They gave me the ballot, and then I went and go and I went and filled it out, and then I inserted it in the machine all by myself. So, but either way, by this here, what this means is the sign-in isn't you get to the building and sign in and wait in line. It isn't right. you get through the door into the building and it is, sign in. It's you've waited through the line. They're they're about to give you a ballot. They've asked you for your name and, depending on your state, your ID. Yep. And you sign the thing and go the 10-ish feet to the poll. You have received your ballot, and so essentially what they're arguing is you got your ballot and walk right the fuck out the yeah. door without you, filling you it out. your ballot, you got your I-voted sticker, you got your I-voted pen, and... You just said fuck it. <laughs> just, just to be completely clear on what this genuinely what what the is. proposal is, what the proposal as to these these books being out of balance is. I mean, at the end of the day, either so so I think I think that most reasonable people will rule out that scenario as plausible. It's just not it's just not likely to happen. So either. Either these 71% of the precincts didn't count all of the ballots, which is bad, or 71% of the precincts have more ballots than they have people who signed in to vote, which is also bad. There, there, is, there is no portion of this which is good. Now, I mean, if you had like 10,000 people coming in and signing your book, Right, and only one of them is off, and that's part of the seventy-one percent. That'd be fine. But I will say that that one of the hardest parts with that story is no media. Every media source is more than willing to sit there and tell you that there is no widespread voter fraud. They lead with that. They try to hammer that message into you the entire article, well, but they that's, don't that's tell you true. there is widespread voter fraud by Russia up until <laughs> November of this year. And that's exactly correct. Yes, they, they completely yes. stopped because they they respect our election. Well, they respect this, election, not the last one. Well, you know, you know, Trump, Trump whipped them into whipped them into shape. That's really that's what their argument has to be: is that Trump Trump scared Russia enough that uh, that they weren't going to mess with our election this time around. 
да. But I, I just, I, I, I could understand that the problem that I have is that the media wants to sit there and sell this. There's no widespread phenomenon. And I'd be okay with it if they actually allowed me to make my own decision based on the numbers, and that's what the numbers came to. But in every article I read about that 71% of the, the poll books being unbalanced, not a single one told me what that amounted to. Right? Is that more voters than there are signatures, or is that more signatures than there are voters, and by how much and in how many precincts? Right? Like if it was one or two if, – if I had 70-some-odd – or if I had a, a couple hundred precincts and 71% of those were off by one or two in thousands, I would accept that as a possible reasonable strategy. But not a single news source actually told me and quantified exactly what the imbalance was. And that is, that is a problem in and of itself. Like if you want to see people trying to hide a story, it's when they don't actually tell you anything about the story, but they tell you everything about a basic narrative that they have over the story. And that is just it, – it's getting ridiculous at this point. They are – significantly more invested in telling you everything else rather than what you need to know in order to make an informed judgment. And that's really irking me. We're going back to Georgia because we keep on going back to Michigan. Um, so Georgia, they, uh, they, they did a recount. They counted each ballot by hand. They did it fantastically. They found some 1,500, 1,600 votes for Trump, which is, by the way, breaking a brand new record in how many votes have been found as part of a recount, and, let me and they didn't do a quick half second. Never before in my life has a recount come up with votes for Republican. It is always Republicans don't do recounts because it always finds Democrat votes. They always lose votes. Uh, Why do we uh, keep finding Trump votes? Anyway, sorry. That, that, that's that's all right. I I don't have a good enough memory of Bush v. Gore uh, to to remember. I actually, you know, I can't really remember a lot of really contested recounts. But Trump actually now has a a record number of votes found uh, with Republicans, and these are things that were lost on th on three different USB sticks in three different counties. They just forgot to count a couple thousand votes for people, which. Which all led to a Trump victory. Odd how that happens, right? So, so you turn around and you look at this thing, and you're like, okay. So, uh, I was kind of dismayed when they sat sat there and, and went through what they did, because all they did was count the ballots. And at the so now, what the Trump campaign has requested is that they actually do uh, an audit signature, and this actually is in con uh, you know in keeping with I think the recounts they're doing in I think it's Wisconsin. Is that where they're counting, or are they counting Michigan again? Uh, Michigan is uh, Michigan's up in the air. They're not officially doing a recount because that's right. Yeah, because they might not be able to certify also, Detroit. Like in the air on whether the certification is going to go through the, like the head of their elections board is trying to uh, get rid of the two Republicans that are uh, that are saying they refuse to certify now because you doxed my kids and threatened my family's life. So yeah, because you, you know that's that's not duress under any meaningful aspect of the law. And uh, right, let me actually, uh, ling <clears throat> let me linger on that just for a quick second. Those two that had uh, 
basically uh, they were holding up the process there they had said okay you know what if you will do a complete and total audit signature verification the whole thing we'll go ahead and certify it so they said all right yeah we'll do that so they went ahead and actually did do the certification as we had heard that they went ahead and caved on it or whatever and this was also after the threats to their children and then they said yep. okay well thanks for doing that yeah we're not going to do the audit now yep. and so it's uh and so it's like wait you're gonna you're gonna threaten my fucking family you're gonna tell people where my kids go to school what street i live on you're gonna make me promises that you're gonna go ahead and at least assuage the fears of the voters and then just say fuck you so yeah that that uh it it would irk a person you know, understand. They uh, they are entirely justified in attempting to rescind their vote, and realistically, given that they they actually were doxxed publicly online, I I think they have a solid case to say that they were under duress when they cast their vote. You know, I I think that's a fair. You know, they've tried to say, oh, everybody's under duress all the time. Bullshit. Nine times out of ten, nobody knows what city government's doing. <laughs> let's let's be entirely honest here. Nobody cares about your local government because we've made it all about federal rules, which is sad. Separate, separate issue, but yeah. So, so Georgia, Georgia is now going through and going to do signature verification to make sure that stuff is actually that the actual ballots they received actually match the signatures that are on the book. And uh, did you guys, did you see anything about the voter integrity project? Yes, I have. That's a very interesting topic in and of itself. They have actually produced real evidence of voter fraud rather than allegations or krakens. As a matter you know, of fact, Sydney, perfect example. Sidney Powell and her premature and krakenating. One should not prematurely and krakenate because you get everybody excited and then you just finish too quick. Nobody likes premature and krakenation. I suppose so. I suppose so. But, I mean, on that, uh, on that specific one, there's uh... – uh, there's this kid who's training to be uh, an Olympic athlete that uh, they called him up. He's even uh, been yep. on television to say say what's happened to him. But he's uh, yep. training to be an, imp uh, an, imp Olympic, an Olympic athlete, uh, Olympic wrestler. And yep. he voted in the state where he's living to do his training. And they called him up and said, hey, we've got you on record as having voted and your vote having been received in your home state of uh, – it was one of these contested states. I want to say Arizona. Uh, it was, I thought it was Nevada. It's, it, you're in the right, we're, we're in the right region, whichever one it is. Right. But either way, he's not there. He voted where he is. They called him up and say, Hey, we have you on record as having voted. And he says, uh, no, I, I don't live there. I voted here. So that's yep. possible. And I think their numbers are coming out something on the order of like 20 plus percent or 20 to 40% of republicans that voted their votes uh, that that actually voted they received their their absentee ballots they sent them back in something like 20 to 40 percent of them have not actually been counted in their vote now granted that's a sample that's not representative of every republican that sent in an absentee ballot obviously but that's uh what is it uh, i think they did it as a sample size of 1500 to 2,000 or something like that in one state, and they're, they're getting up to 40,000. 40, it's crazy. Uh, and I think they also did some uh, – they, they just released some stuff associated with Georgia where they – and this came out today. I think it's Georgia. could be another state, but they found that 
there are people who are claiming to live at a commercial residence. And basically, this is the closest. So so one of the things, if you watch Tim Pool, Tim Pool tries to be very careful with his language. Uh, it's, and it's irritated a lot of folks on the right, but I, I respect it. Yeah, I, I know uh, where the guy's coming from. And he is a, yeah, he's I, a I good do. news source. He's an old school. He's like a... Um, he's like he's what like journalists used to be. Lefty, like an 80s lefty reporter. Like, yeah, I, I'm a I, lefty, yeah. but... Yeah, I put that. Yeah, here's the news. I'm I'm left. I'm going to be upfront about it. So I actually respect Tim Pool, but he, uh, you know, what he said is that he can't sit there and talk about voter fraud. He can just talk about irregularities or impropriety or stuff like that because fraud requires intent. Well, guess what? Now they've found out that a whole bunch of people submitted, uh, you know, registered for, received, and submitted ballots that were based off of commercial addresses. Where they changed the commercial, they they added into the second line in your address. It's apartment blah 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 at this commercial address. Well, there's no apartment there. It's a commercial address. So a you shouldn't be you don't live at your commercial address, or at least maybe there. I'm sure there's probably some very very diehard working individual who is, but most people don't. Uh, and b the individual who is uh, who is writing this out is intentionally writing in an apartment number where there isn't one so it is intentional fraud uh so there there is actual demonstrated widespread fraud and i i can't remember how many they had they had i think it was like a couple thousand or something like that of ballots that they had found so far that doesn't mean that's all of them but that's kind of the thing and that's one of the things that i actually like about this right so 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 regardless of whether trump wins or not Whatever whatever ends up happening, I don't think he will. I think Biden will pull it through. Um, Trump is up against uh, you know Goliath here as little David, and you know he's got a broken arm. So so let let's be honest about where the 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 score sits here. But it's really nice that he's exposing all this crap because this probably is in all of our elections all the time. Well, as they as they say in uh, you know Michigan, no, no, this is totally normal. This happens all the time. I I can't believe they chose that as their their argument. You're like that doesn't that doesn't make it any better. It, it, think about that, right? Like their their basis for this was that this happened in Michigan during the the primaries, right? If this is what was happening during the primaries. You know, for all of you folks on the left who who happen to be true socialists, I disagree with everything that you have to believe in, and that's okay. But Bernie would have probably won if there's an actual impropriety here, right? If you ever want to get your agenda up off the ground, then this is in your best interest to investigate this wholeheartedly because if you think the democrats if, if i think the democrats are doing this to trump i will actually concede that the democrats are doing this to anybody that they don't think fits their corporate agenda yeah no that's a that's a pretty reasonable supposition i i don't i you know and and i'm not saying that i i want to see a socialist win right but i also don't want to see a socialist lose because of i want a socialist to lose on the merits of their case oh yeah absolutely. i don't want a socialist to lose because the deck is stacked against them yeah yeah we want to be able to laugh at these people we don't want to be sad <laughs> exactly it it's it's no fun to 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 beat on a cripple that's yeah. that's the reality yeah it's it's more fun to beat somebody that you know tried 
Exactly. And now, had the ability to actually win. Now, let me uh, throw a couple of quick numbers at you. Have you got a calculator handy? This is an uh, actually, oddly enough, I do. Perfect. Give so, me, give me, give me like three seconds to go acquire it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, while you're getting that, I'm going to explain the numbers that we're going to go over here. Now, Nevada has a really good reporting. So they provide us with uh, the number of ballots cast for who percentages and all that. And then okay. we, uh, we even have the, uh, the specific presidential one. So what we're going to look at here, we have, uh, let me see here, total mail-in ballots returned by voters. We have uh, 654,389. Uh, uh, in person early voting, we have 500,900. Uh, you know, we'll just do it by the, uh, we'll do it the easier way. Total ballots by party. Democrat, 473,987, so 473,987. Republican, 422,400. 400 and what? 422,400. And then okay. uh, other parties, we have 305,710. Now. 305,000? Mm hmm. 710. That's a rather good showing of alternate parties there. Quite, quite, yeah. Like. So we'll take that number. And that'll give us a total of 1,300,027,394. So uh, 1.327 million. I, I get, uh, get 1.202097. Oh, did I add that wrong? Well, that's what they're saying there. Oh, that's peculiar. Let me uh, let me do that math myself. Six fifty four three eighty nine plus five forty three nine zero six. No, no, no. Remember, you you changed it from the six fifty four. You changed it to by party. That's probably where your your error is. That uh, could be, yeah, because that gives me the same result there. So, oh, that'd be weird if they have something like that. I got, I got the the the, the last set of numbers that you said was by, I think it was Republican was four seventy three nine eighty seven. Oh, that's weird. Democrat was four twenty two four hundred. And Independent was three oh five seven ten. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, I come up with uh, one point two oh two, with an extra ninety seven on top. Yep. And okay. That's total ballots cast by party. That's other, so that would include all others. Then, as I'm looking at the the information here, we've got uh, mail-in ballots returned by voters, uh, in-person early voting, and election day totals that come up to 1,327,394. Well, that's very odd. So there are more people who voted by mail than there are in person. Well, yeah, interestingly enough. But above and beyond that, too, we have also the uh, total ballots cast by party is, um, well, uh, more than 100,000 less than their own reported numbers in this same chart. That's just weird. Okay, well, 
passing on by that, because that's fucking strange, we'll go to the silverstateelections.nevada.gov here, U.S. presidential election, just look at that specifically, and we've either got 1.2 or 1.37, oddly enough, and uh, let me give you some new numbers, so we'll go with um, Democrat, total number of votes of 703,486, uh, Republican of 669,890. 690. Mm -hmm. We'll go with old Joe Jorgensen, 14,783. Uh, none of 14,079, because she's not that enticing. And other, Don Blankenship, of 3138. And we get 1.405,379,000,000. Now, how are we coming up with three separate numbers, two separate numbers from one chart alone? I don't know. Is, is there something wrong with my calculator? Because we've got three separate numbers from two different charts. So I see. I see. So what you're talking about is the first chart here, the Office of Nevada Secretary of State. Mm-hmm says the total vote ballots cast by party is 473, 423, which is the first number that we did. First off, the uh, I want to point out that the other party is quite large at 305. That's oh, almost – that's exceptionally large. Yeah, that would be – Noteworthy, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's like a third-ish of the votes almost. Probably more like 20%, but still, 20% in the state of Nevada. And that's from the office of the Nevada Secretary of State. And then I got the Silver State election results. And this is also from the Nevada Secretary of State. Let's see here. Uh, the only downside I can see is one is on the 10th, and this one is on the 23rd. So the original document that you provided may be... Uh, older than its current document. No, is a possibility. No, this is this is according to the the little asterisks on the bottom. The latest update to this would have been ten twenty three twenty, but oddly enough, the original updated date it says eleven ten twenty twenty. So there's something wrong on on the. Uh, what is this? Something this is, wrong. No. Yeah, the, the Nevada Secretary of State.gov show document ID says update 11 10 2020 at 3.37 p.m. And then it says the under the second star, the Washoe County's number of mail-in ballots were previously incorrect. They were corrected at 1.52 p.m. on 10.23.20, which – oh, no, 10.23 would be way before 11.10. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, our – Okay, update. my bad according to this, is almost two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. so that's two weeks ago versus this other one, which is more recent, so that's possible. Mm -hmm. But still, that is, like, if you start talking about the summation of the Libertarian, the NP, and whatever the IAP is, that is significantly less than that document, which shows 300-something thousand. 300,000 in this grouping. Not at all. Yep. There's about, there's a little over 30,000. Yeah. So, I I just, 
I mean, I honestly don't even know what to make of this, other than that it is incredibly peculiar, and I kind of feel the need to draw attention to it. Well, I mean, and that's kind of the problem that, that we have. And so this this could be that this was the results on 1110, uh, but that would seem to be – because I'm pretty sure Nevada was mostly counted by the 10th. Indeed. So I'm not sure why this modern web page, the one that is continuously updated, shows radically different numbers. And I still don't understand why uh, we have these 300,000 for the Democrat, 300,000 for the Republican, or you know whatever, the 400,000, the 400,000, then 300,000 for the other, when the other realistically, according to this, this uh, the current Secretary of State web page, uh, amounts to a little more than 30,000 votes. So... Well, much like it, it is where they added the zero, and not at the end, kind of somewhere in the middle, oddly. It seems like maybe they put a zero between the three and the five, where they ought to. You know, I, I, I've seen enough stuff to make me suspicious of the Dominion voting system stuff, but I haven't seen any actual, like... The downside is that it's a proprietary software, and you'll never see anything about a proprietary software. So, basically, what we're doing is a black box analysis where we're trying to figure out what this thing is actually doing on its own. Because, realistically, this should be a very simple operation of press 1 for Trump, press 2 for Biden, or whichever, however you want to want to frame that. Oh, sure, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of weird. That is definitely weird. I hadn't seen that one yet. Yeah, yeah, that was brought to my attention uh, relatively recently, and I actually had to, somebody, somebody fact-checked me, and I was like, oh, well, I, I don't want to put out bad information, I, legitimately, believe it or not. So I went ahead and ran the numbers, and it's like, wait, and I, I only just realized on the uh, the actual SOS.gov, you know, Secretary of State, that that one has incongruous numbers in its own reporting. Like, just the one. So, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, I didn't even realize that till I did the numbers on that one. So it's, it's this is all just so incredibly untoward. Well, this is this is kind of the problem. Like, like at the end of the day, you can argue that the folks who are interested in Trump pursuing these legal claims and are claiming are, are really just conspiracy theorists. But the issue is that all of this stuff looks really, really weird. And, and I don't think anybody anybody can really say this looks perfectly perfectly normal and natural, and this is what we expect. Well, I well I don't know if that's the right characterization because if we're looking at Michigan, well, this is perfectly normal and natural and what we should expect. Well, yeah, I mean, but which the dead by that the dead turnout vote in Michigan all yeah, the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw a, a really great infographic. It was like. Uh, Tupac and Biggie were listed as uh, you know Biden supporters, and then we had Fifty Cent and uh, you know that that one uh, Lil Pump or whatever as uh, Trump voters. <laughs> well, I, you know it's 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 very interesting to me. Uh, I've seen a lot of the mathematical analysis. We are talking about like events that are on the order of statistically almost impossible. For what we're talking about, we're talking about five, six sigma in some of these things. Some of these ballot injections are just so far outside of the norm. We did things like stop the counting, and then all of a sudden, overnight, there's votes that magically appear. 
And I've seen people say, oh, we, we can debunk that, but I haven't really seen a very good debunk of the 140,000 because you can, you can actually see it, that it, like, shows up 4 o'clock in the morning. Boom. There it is. This injection of, of four, uh, 140,000 votes. Now, there was one that they, they backed off, but that's not all of them. Well, actually, uh, like Wisco. specific note, uh, CNN was reporting. During their reporting, one of those vote dumps happened, and they were like, oh, wait, what what's this? We've got a big update. Oh, uh, Biden has taken the lead in this county, this county, this county, this county. By, and I think it was yep. about a 60,000 vote dump that just, bop, done. Yep. Which, well, and that's that's kind of the thing. Like again, you know, I've seen I've seen I've seen these in the the uh, the graphs of the injection of ballots between one and the other, and that's a really good data visualization. And it looks like it looks suspicious, right? We see things like Shiva's analysis, and that looks suspicious. And then you get stuff like these conflicting web pages, and that looks suspicious. And it's not like – I'm not saying that there isn't a perfectly rational and reasonable explanation to all of this stuff. Uh, I, I just don't – like the, the odd part is that we have all of this information, and nobody's really digging in to show us what's actually going on. There's absolutely zero interest in looking into this, and that's – even more suspicious. I, I don't. I don't really like. You know, we, we start talking about this thing, and I think we mentioned it in the the, the last uh, the last show. Voter fraud is really tough, right? Like proving voter fraud is the same difficulty as proving money laundering. And we don't have any of the the, the weird part is we don't have any of the countermeasures that we do on our, on, on our ballots that we do on our money. And yet you would think we would. Like if we serialize the ballots, we could track them. We could say that that nobody has excessively printed uh, too many ballots, right? We could we could count the serial numbers, and we could say every serial number is distinct. Every serial number was officially handed out. Every serial number has been uh, taken back and received. And that alone would eliminate a significant portion of these things, like the, the claims that we have uh, vote dumping in Georgia and, and ballot boxes that showed up in Michigan and Wisconsin. That wouldn't be possible if we serialized the ballots well, and we have proper too, you chain could, of custody. You could manually and mechanically serialize the ballots. I mean we had paper punch machines for how long? And it is, it's nothing at all to have something advance a pin one. Yes. Uh, one millimeter to one. Well, I mean, uh, so that you've got an actual uh, thing that, uh, you know, you put it in a machine, it's like there's a hole there. So that means whatever. I mean, it, there, yes. there's any number of ways it could be done beyond just, you know, like a QR code or a barcode. I mean, you could put something in there that is. Hard and fast, a blind person can run their hand over it and say, "Oh, yep, it's here." Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, there, there. That that's the thing that is absolutely stunning as we start talking about election fraud, and we know that's coming up, and we know that there is like, because this is not like something that just suddenly popped out of nowhere. We knew what Trump was going to claim back in May when they first started pitching this shit, right? <laughs> so, so why? Why wouldn't they turn around and produce security countermeasures to, to basically head off the majority of the claims? Why wouldn't you have something where you can track and make sure that everybody can check to see whether or not they actually voted and that their vote was properly accounted to who it was? Like, I mean, a QR code, right? You could take a ballot, 
Now you could take two that that again going back to the serialized idea. You could have two QR codes. One is attached to the ballot, and one you take off and you take home with yourself. And then by the time once the votes are counted, you can turn around and scan that QR code, and it would automatically turn around and say, "Yep, this serial number of this ballot was attributed to this person, and this is who voted on this serial number." Absolutely. Right? There is no reason we can't do something like that. I mean, there are with there are zero additional costs that each time you stamp it. It advances the number on the stamp. Right. And these things yes. have existed since, like, the 30s. Yep. I, 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 like, this is old tech. You could have there a, is, a stamp there is with a... ink and a pad and stamp the thing twice. And every time it does a second stamp, it advances to the next number. I mean, it, this is literally child's play to resolve. There is There is a dozen different ways that we could do appropriate fraud counterfeiting measures. Right, and we didn't do any of that. So you start talking about the 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 folks who are saying, "Oh my God, Georgia, look at these, you know, these ballots that is a stack that's purely for Biden, and it looks like it's machine printed." Well, that's definitely a possibility, right? That's definitely a possibility. That's definitely a problem that we definitely should be looking into that. But why is it that we don't have a have some sort of countermeasure to catch that shit? You well, know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, I, I hear you entirely. You look at how hard it is, uh, how hard fought it is to get voter ID laws put in place, and never well, I mean, the, uh, you know, you look at this crowd. This crowd is super keen on Europe. Like Europe does everything right. They've got everything right. They're they're on top of things. Like, can we do voter ID like they do in every European country? Whoa, whoa. That's racist. Well, I mean, you you start talking about the people who want to talk about these uh, great social programs that the. Um... The Norwegian states have. Well, you know how they get those social programs? They do it with a crazy amount of taxes on the lowest, uh, on the poorest of the poor, right? They, everybody pays taxes, and they pay like thirty percent as their base margin. That's not thirty percent for the middle class, and and you know forty percent for the upper class. That's thirty percent for the people who are working at McDonald's and Burger King part time. Right, that is thirty percent for the people that we we give a tax free benefit to, and we can't we can't do those kinds of things. We don't we don't accurately display these countries, but I just don't understand why when it comes to an election, right? You know what Trump is going to do ahead of time, so why wouldn't you just head it off? You put in a couple anti fraud countermeasures, and all this stuff goes away. Why did they? Cor you start talking about Pennsylvania. Why did they corral all the Republican observers into a corner pen? Of course they're going to complain about that. That was fucking stupid. Yeah. You know, why Why is it that you turned around and you didn't serialize the ballots? Any place that you're dealing with, if you know that that's the president's play and you know that you're a swing state, you should serialize your ballots. Right? I, I, I don't think New York needs to serialize our ballots because New York's going to vote for a Democrat. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? But any of these swing states, they should a serial. They they should have the the basic anti fraud countermeasures that we put on our money, and we didn't we we didn't even do that. I just it's stunning. We've been putting on our money since what the sixties that individual bills at least serialized. At least, and I'm that, not even that about one countermeasure would eliminate anything. Yeah. I'm talking about each bill has an individual number. Yep, that's that's, that's some while. And that way, that way, you know, if somebody steals uh, a, a batch of ballots and then fills it in, uh, that that means that you know where the ballots were sent. That means you know who got what where. 
going back with your idea of tracking things through the U uh, the USPS, there's no reason why we couldn't turn around and say ballot blah 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 ID was sent via USPS to this house. It was filled out by them at this house and returned to the mail, and this is when it was rescanned in its return envelope. Yeah, I mean, and then you start talking about this Pennsylvania stuff, right? To do all of this, even. It would really Somehow, be a matter of adding a new inventory item to these systems. It, most of the, yeah, well, this I'm, is I'm this is not that. a crisis. I mean, that's largely what it would be to actually implement such a system. We're not talking the, about the, putting Obamacare in and healthcare.gov. And that right. debacle. Yeah, no, we're we're, we're about, talking we're about a minor item to a database. Right, exactly. We're talking about a minor modification to software that could be done, a minor modification to the printing that could be done, and all of the majority of these problems would go away. Right? The Absolutely. majority of these Absolutely. issues would, would disappear. Now, does that stop people from like uh does that stop the the cases of people uh, submitting ballots for people that didn't actually vote? No. Oh, sure. Or these oh. cases of, uh, you know, like the one that just came up of the mental institution where all the people that were, you know, in severe right. duress and deeply psychotic or catatonic, a number of them voted. It, yes, that that doesn't that doesn't stop all the bad actors. But it would certainly stop the hey yeah this is wide it would it would eliminate the the comment of widespread because it would make widespread impossible. Right. You would have to come up with a completely unique system uh, to to sit there and like circumvent these basic countermeasures that we've had on money, and that's why we serialize our bills, and that's why we add these things. I mean, we update our money every ten years, and we haven't updated our ballots when like there's nothing that we do for for countermeasures on our ballots. And then you start talking about mass mail-ins. Now that was that was a huge mistake. And ultimately, anybody who wants to turn around and 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 ping Trump, I think that's a fair argument to ping Trump and say, "Hey, you lost. Get on with it." But at the same time, you knew he was going to argue this, unless it was a landslide for one or the other. You knew he was going to argue this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and like. <clears throat> This is this is not something that we like. By the time you printed your ballot to send out and mail to people, you knew this was coming down the pipe. Why didn't you head it off? Why didn't you go above and beyond to prove that this system was secure? Well, you know, in that same note, in that exact same note, look at how hard Donald Trump's fighting this, and then yep, look at how very very upset Hillary Clinton was. How hard did she fight? Oh, that's right. She well, conceded immediately. Uh, I mean, I think there's there's a case of tradition, and Trump breaks tradition. Sorry. Like, I, I actually, I, I, I empathize with Trump. So, well, so I operate, I operate very similar, simply, similarly to the Trump mindset at work, which is fundamentally, I know the rules well enough to do whatever the fuck I want, and that's ninety percent of of how you get things done. Is is you basically beat people into submission with their own incompetence, and it it makes my fair job point. incredibly fun. A fair point. Like, Let me interrupt you on that, because if you'll remember, Jill Stein asked for a recount and got one. I believe it was Wisconsin, and as I've told you before, and as I have heard all my life, Democrats always find votes in recounts. Guess what happened? They didn't she find found more a... for Jill, and they didn't find more for Hillary. They found that there was something up, and they found some extra thousand or so votes for Donald Trump that had just somehow disappeared. And this is 2016. 
So now, mind you, this is entirely circumstantial because uh, no, uh, no investigation was done. And interestingly enough, when uh, the Trump campaign did try to press for an investigation, all of the ballots had already been destroyed. They, uh, they were very. Yeah. Well, you know, like but like again, I said, the. Uh... But there's, it's just things are, things have been very convenient for a very. Uh, the the Democrats seem to have an amazing ability to have data files and uh, paper records uh, be accidentally destroyed in contrast to government record keeping requirements and or, you know, uh, you know, just just hard drive fail or whatever else. They, they seem to have this magical ability. That that happens every single time somebody starts to ask questions about anything, anything. You know, lowest learner there. Oh my god, my hard drive failed. You know what? I haven't had a hard drive fail like ever. I can't remember the last time I had a hard drive fail. Yeah, let me, let me see here. In my old box that ran for nine and a half years on the original hard drive, I think I had a cluster of sectors that had gone bad maybe and that well, maybe no, I, right? no, I did i did i mean i defragged oh really fairly regularly yeah no and i mean i i'm not your regular user either i don't turn off my machines so it had been running probably seven years just running so and that's just just a cluster of sectors just a few not enough yep. to even invalidate any of my data well, I mean, and on top of that, you start talking about uh, government record keeping, and they always have they have required backup oh, yeah, systems and all this other stuff that somehow emails. somehow we just couldn't recover Lois Lerner's emails. But this always seems to happen for the Democrats. They always seem to lose their records. It's amazing how that happens. They have, <laughs> they have simultaneously the worst and best luck, don't they? They really do. It, it is just a shame that their computer equipment fails right when congressional inquiries. Reach their doorstep requesting inquiries. Uh, yep. Of course, Dominion was uh, due to speak to Congress uh, very recently. Unfortunately, they uh, they started deleting all their LinkedIn pages and then didn't show up and got a bunch of lawyers. But then they yeah, they that was kind of weird. They did, however, hire a new spokesperson to uh, come and show up on uh, Fox News. Uh, this spokesperson has an illustrious history. He's uh, previously worked for Jeb, and he also worked uh, for Paul Ryan. You know, a, a big really? fan of Trump, Paul Ryan, if everybody knows this. Yeah, the guy who quit his job just because the guy he didn't like got won the election. Right, right. So having worked for those guys, you can imagine he's really a, really a bipartisan sort, you know, a, a real, a real fence-sitting type. You know, yep. Certainly not an industry man. And, well, he went along to tell us that Dominion uh, would have nothing to do with this. Never mind that he was just recently hired. I'm sure he's well-versed on their technology and means. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a, he's a PR guy, right? He doesn't have to be versed on the technology. Right, of course. That's how sales and marketing works. They don't know anything. <laughs> when they lie, it's okay. Oh, yeah. I wasn't aware that I was... Uh, doing anything wrong this is how i understood the process to be done that's exactly right yeah you know that was really weird and again you know i've seen i've seen a lot of people make arguments again shiva did a really good analysis 
it looks like this is susceptible. Well, and so and actually, I think if you go back, years, if you go back for like the last mm -hmm. ten years, there is reporting on Dominion systems being susceptible to hacking or oh, on that specific modification. Study, the NPR's report on uh, Dominion voting systems that came out, I think, last year, saying these are easily hackable. Or yep. all the Democrats that were speaking about how Dominion systems are easily hackable. Or John Oliver on on his show. Yeah, that wow, was that Dominion was really systems funny. Are easily hackable. <sighs> yep. And then but of course, of course, as soon as it is inconvenient to the narrative. I, you know, that's that's the thing that always amuses me about the left, and I think that's the reason that I, I stopped being on the left was I can't stand being in cognitive dissonance that long. It's got to be physically painful, these people. That must be why they're miserable sons of bitches. Because oh, they, they just you, – you have to be suffering in immense mental anguish if you are going to sit there and say one thing one day, and then when somebody grabs that thing and says, hey, this applies to me too, you go, nope, nope, doesn't apply to you. Right, three years. Three years. Russia hacked the election. Russia stole the election, and yeah. this well, year, yeah. nah, nah, everything worked for perfectly. The narrative. Then surely we can spare three years to, uh, you know, clear up the election issues, right? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, I, I don't, I don't want it to take that long. You know, we, uh, we need to have a. I'd like for this to get resolved before December twelfth. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I, I like if it was me with Pennsylvania and they had these issues, I would have just conceded and said, OK, we're going to redo the election. It's going to be scheduled for this day. Everybody has to sit there and show up again. We're going to redo it. None of this crap is going to be here. And all of those lawsuits go away. That's how I'd resolve it, because they're going to have to do a special election or something. Yeah. Like you is a bunch of real and unreal voters. Or you I, I mean, you. You can be you can be hoping the Supreme Court won't turn around and throw out six hundred thousand votes, and I think that's a reasonable hope. But like, pause for a moment and think about why you're in that situation before you turn around and say, "Yeah, you know, uh, we're going to rely on the Supreme Court not, you know, screwing us here." Just just redo it. Just just do what you need to do. Get it done, and say, "Yeah, we screwed the pooch on this. This didn't work as intended. We were told that it wasn't going to work as intended." It didn't, you know. We, we everything, nothing worked as as it was supposed to. We're gonna go go for duo, and the, the, all the problems go away. Yeah, I mean, the easiest and fairest solution is just have a special runoff. Yep. And if uh, if it turns out that the results are the same, I would sue Trump for the whole bullshit. That's what I would do. S sue Trump for the cost of a new election. Well, the thing about but I mean, you know, now now it's going to go to the Supreme Court, and and I totally get where you know the Supreme Court comes in, and they're going to say, "Do you really want me to disenfranchise half a million people?" And I'm going to be like, "Nah, I don't want you to disenfranchise half a million people." But if those half a million people are are in there illegitimately, if there's shenanigans there, like on one hand, you're either disenfranchising the entire election process. Or you're throwing out half a million votes, and realistically, you got to sit there and take a look at what the law says because there is they're between a rock and a hard place here. Indeed, That's not an easy judgment. We have to be honest about that. That's not an easy judgment. I wouldn't be happy with either outcome. No, indeed, and there are people that won't be. But you made a really good point with you disenfranchise the entire electorate because when you do something yep. like that, you run a great danger. You yes. never. You never, ever, ever want 
a large portion of your electorate to know deep in their heart as something that is as clear as the sky is blue during the day that their vote will never matter. Because when a person well, understands that their vote does not matter, they realize they have no recourse but violence. And that uh, makes things very ugly. That, that's certainly a case. But I, I would make the argument that assuming that we didn't walk that path at the end of the day, it also lets anybody – it communicates very clearly that you can infringe on the law as much as you want because the risk of disenfranchising a significant number of votes is greater than disenfranchising – than doing whatever shenanigans you want to get away with. Indeed, indeed. And again, you know, the half a million votes, I don't think half a million votes is illegal, right? I suspect most of those are legitimately cast votes all the way through. I would easily put it at 50, 50 to 75 percent without, without a shadow of doubt in my heart. But again, 25 percent of, uh, you know, 600,000 would be enough to sway the election. We have to turn around and take a look at that. Indeed, and this I don't know what the discounting even any of the maiden name stuff or any of the other things that have been revealed, you know, by the Voter Integrity Project. Yeah, this is completely discounting those things. This is just completely legitimate. Yep, like not even the things we have evidence of. Just you know, general impropriety. You can't, you can't turn around. The reason that we have observers is because people play games. You can't. Uh, what was it? There was that dude who was uh, who filmed himself for TikTok or whatever it was, where he was sorting through ballots and then he showed one that was for Donald Trump and he ripped it up and threw it all way behind him. That was the real thing. Those people happen. Even if that, even if he did that one vote for show, that's a felony if I'm not mistaken. I. It probably is, you know. I'm sure if it was only one vote and he only did it for the one vote for show, um, it probably wouldn't impact him too bad. He'd be banned from it. He'd probably get a fine, a really stiff I mean, fine. Being realistic, yeah. But but at uh, like I I would, you know, if he only did it for that one vote, and and I let's be honest, that's probably more likely the case. Like I don't think I, – I honestly – the one thing I have to say about election security is that people are inherently lazy, and to sit there and actively attempt to sabotage the vote, you have to be a really motivated individual to work your way into the elections process just so that you can sabotage the vote. I'm not saying there aren't people who are going are, to are, – there, there's no one who would be willing to do that. Well, I just don't think there's that many the, people. Uh, the training session in Michigan, you know, the – Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, you got your six feet. Now you make sure that if they, if they want to come up to you, you know, maybe uh, maybe your back's to a wall. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was that was really sketchy. It's, and again, this this goes sketch. back to the like, why is it that they want to push these boundaries? Like, there is there is nobody who loses. If I was if I was on the left. Right. If I was on the left, ignoring ignoring my current stance and where I currently stand politically, if I was on the left, the one thing that I would want more than anything else is to turn around and tell everybody to go pound sand. And I would love to take data and shove it down people's throats. That's what I do for a living. I love doing what I do for a living. And somehow they, they open themselves up to all of these questions. 
and they're legitimate questions, and we can't just ignore them. Uh, yeah, okay, so, so there's there's the crazy people, but let's be honest, that's that's not all of the questions. And if you just highlight the crazy people, all you're doing is pissing off anybody who's in the middle ground. So you're saying you're a flat earther, basically. I I am a flat earther. Well, there you go. Well, go. actually, I, I, I could never believe the Earth is flat because my house is on a perpetual slope because it's like 120 years old. I don't think there's a flat surface that I get to experience. Well, I, I like the concave Earth theory, you know, kind of like Halo. Yes! It's just uh, it's the lensing effect that makes it appear that it's uh, round. I, you know, do you know how cool it would be to fund, find a giant ring in space that is, like, properly terraformed and everything? Ugh. Yeah, it would be Speaking cool. of Halo, that is coming out. It's really, I, I am so sad that Xbox did, was not able to uh, release with a brand new Halo launch. Also sad that the PS5 did not release with Horizon Zero Dawn. Both of them are fantastic, and, uh... Looking very forward to playing Halo on my computer. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. I uh, they kind of lost me when the first one didn't come out on PC, and and I hated console FPSs. But it is what it is. Uh, Keyboard mouse supremacy. It's there now. It's there now. Keyboard and mouse supremacy. Oh yes, it is. No, no, no. Halo, Halo. I think they have the Master Chief Collection available for PC. Oh yeah, no, it is. It's just a little late for me. Oh, that's too bad. It's uh, Halo One may actually still be the best Halo. Really? Yeah. I guess that's saying something. Oh yeah. It, it, like there's a bunch of memes that came out with the uh, the remaster or whatever they're doing with that. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, no, if, if you actually go through and you're looking to play a, a good Halo game, or the the best Halo game, I think Halo 1 really did it, did it well. So Halo 1 was much more about world building than it was about the linear track of your, your kind of like progression, so to speak. And because it was more about world building, there's just a lot more world building elements in it. Whereas the later ones, they, they were trying to fill in this, this massive world that halo one built and uh they they basically got to rest on their laurels so to speak and it it was kind of a a detriment to them all oh that's understandable actually <clears throat> bungie once upon a time was a lot more innovative they uh there's a game i remember from them called myth that was uh really one of the earliest squad based uh I don't, I don't know if I'd even want to call it like a real-time strategy game because it's kind of small scale. So hmm. the uh, the whole thing that, um, well, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what to compare it to, like a Commandos game or something like that. You've just got your small group of people, but they're going through. Maybe you'll have to take on a large group. But the whole thing was always at uh, full speed, so it really was kind of a, a break from things, you know, before you'd have, like, uh, Warcraft. But, you know, that's a little more turn-based at uh, at that point. So You know, I I think um, it's kind of it's tough for me. So there's this whole era of games that I'm missing. And I don't know how, because I was a gamer back in the day, right? But there's like every single time that I, I I never really got into Deus Ex, 
right? I never played any of the Half-Life series. I never played any of a lot of these these older games that were foundational principles for some of the the modern games. And and you go through and you read articles and people will talk about these things as if they were the most innovative pieces of software that were ever developed. And I don't I never played any of them. So old Bungie stuff, I have my knowledge of Bungie was that they existed just for Halo. And I had no idea they did anything beyond that. Like for me, it was like I was playing Monster Rancher 2 at the time, and then my buddy got the Xbox, and oh, such a good system. Yeah, such sure. a good system. Yeah, the original Xbox was a great thing. Love that controller. The original controller oh, was possibly yes. the best controller design ever. You, yeah. It doesn't work if you have small hands, and, well, I'm sorry if you have small hands, but the Duke is the ultimate. Yeah. You know, I actually, the PS4 controller is pretty good. I, I actually really like that one. I got to, uh, so I, I did uh, Horizon Zero Dawn with a PS Now thing so I could play it on my PC. And it was pretty solid. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the PS5 controller because it looks like the Xbox controller. <laughs> Everything kind of, it's convergent evolution is what we're seeing right here in game design. I want to see a Rise of the Duke. It needs to come back. Ah, uh, that was a great controller, though. It was so huge. It is. It really is. I've never. I. I. I mean, legitimately, I really enjoy that controller. And the few that attempted, to, I think Mad Cats did a couple that were close, but none of them ever had that right fit for my hands. But it is what it I is. I mean. I'm sure you can probably get an old one and modify it so that it works on new systems. The The actual button can. layout is not radically different. You can. You've got to get an adapter because it's got a, a proprietary connection. Yep. Yep. But that weird that thing so that when you it yanked it back USB, from the system, it popped out. It's a like a weird pinout, and it's got its own USB-style connector that only is on an Xbox. So, yeah. Hmm. So you either have to pull that off and do it yourself or get an adapter. They do exist, and there are drivers, so you can do it, but those drivers were for 7. I haven't even bothered to look and see if it exists for 10. Might be worth it, though. I've, well, best controller ever. Well, uh, I'm going for uh, this go-around. I'm going for the PS5. Yeah, fair enough. I Well, I don't have money for consoles. I am trying to get into 3D printing and all that, so... Uh, yeah, that's that can be an expensive hobby. Well, as as my my three D printer sits here, taking up a tremendous amount of desk space, an entire roll of PLA that I have never used, and it's literally acquiring dust. Uh, mine is what? I, let me look over here. It's uh, uh about thirty three percent assembled, but my resin printer is behind me, and it's at about 95%, so all I've really got to do is get it together, get it leveled, and ah. and I'm good to go on that one. Now, the resin so the... printer is going to be uh, another issue entirely. That's not really going to be for wear parts or anything. That's more for my artistic endeavors. But I think, the... that, uh, I think it might be an interesting thing to find a market for. Who knows? I have the one thing I have left is I have a sensor 
for my my zero point sensor that's the only other thing that i have to install on my my printer and then just get it level and start trying to print with it so it's not that hard i i built the whole thing i i it's all together i it turns on and everything i just i i haven't again i just haven't had any need to print anything i just don't have like everything that i could well, want great well, I, we've already had a similar discussion in the past, so I know there are some things you don't have. So I would say go to controlpew.com <laughs> and look over some things there that you can do some test prints on. Familiarize yourself with your hardware. Maybe that's a, that's a good thing to go for the upcoming, uh, upcoming January yeah, riot yeah. season. Yeah, I mean, uh, 2021 is going to be an interesting year. Why not take this time for not just you, for anybody listening at home? Go ahead See, and get yourself a 3D printer. It's Black Friday time. There's great deals out there. There are. So go ahead and get but, yourself a 3D printer. For maybe uh, maybe you want to make art. There's a great company that uh, makes wind chimes, as a matter of fact, that uh, I'll make sure and link down below. Uh, their wind chimes are excellent. Uh, they mate very well with uh, certain other 3D printed parts uh, that you can house them in. They don't work as well as a wind chime then, but, well, I mean, it's <laughs> up to you how you, you know, use your parts. <laughs> you know, I, 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 would, uh, I would probably be much more interested in getting some of those components, uh, but I live in a deep red county, so, like... During a riot season, we were just sitting there being like, we, we're separated by geographical boundaries of a river, right? And we're kind of sitting there being like, hey, Red Rover, Red Rover, send BLM over. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, that stuff never showed up here. Never showed up in my county. Nobody had any interest. Like, I, I can go to uh, so, so the, the city right next door to me, uh, and it's barely a city, but it's, you know, decent place to go hang out, get a, get a solid sandwich. I uh, went up there, and um, I actually saw, you know, one person out there talking about I, – I think it was like the Women's March time frame. And uh, she was out there holding up her sign protesting Trump or whatever it was that they were protesting. And somebody managed to show up and put up a Life is Wet with uh, Pepe. <laughs> with Pepe. And <laughs> was standing there with Life is Wet with Pepe on the corner right right behind the uh, the hardcore feminist. It made me so happy. That's the place I live. Ah, good. Time. Where the memes come alive. <laughs> well, speaking of living memes, controlpew.com. Yeah, I'm going to keep showing that because it's, it's just fun. I'm all for it. You know, I, I probably should actually 3D print something like that. I really should. That would be a, that would be a good project to get it up and off the off the ground i do actually have some uh being said i'll go ahead and put a put it out there i am going to try and revolve revolve revive the gyrojet the gyrojet what's that oh you're not familiar okay uh gyrojet rounds are uh, largely a self-contained rocket uh you've got a round that uh has has a tail it uh propels itself now as it comes out of the barrel of whatever you're 
firearm or mounted thing or whatever, it's not going to be going very fast because, like a rocket, it has to gain momentum. So they're largely useless at uh, close range, but then as you go out, they gain more and more speed until they've got no more propellant, and then, you know, they've reached whatever velocity they'll reach. Huh. And <laughs> That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to do it in 12-gauge. I'd like to do it in 12-gauge because I figure that'll be a really easy way to do it and uh, just... Um, well, I've got to work it out, so uh, I'll we'll have to talk about that off the air because I'll need some. Help yeah, you'll have to venting. you'll have to do like a nose cone and some other stuff because otherwise, I mean, it's actually the pore is going to be the hardest part, right? So you're going to have to do a cavity and a mold. So you're probably going to have to do. Um, oh well, what is it? Well, that that's neither here nor there. I'm not even yeah. going to the material science of it yet. I'll I'll need to be doing like 3D printed you know, uh, base ends and make it like a pill or something, basically, so that I could, you know, get the propellant in there, be it black powder, gunpowder, whatever it'll need to be. Well, you'll probably, you'll probably end up needing to do something like, uh, what, what is it, uh, substance substance removed or whatever. Basically, they use beeswax when they, they pour the mold in, oh, and the beeswax awesome. essentially yeah. burns off. Hmm. So, so you have the, that's how you do it. And, and I mean, you can always do the, uh, like two separate cavities kind of thing and then try to weld them together, but that's just more likely to explode. Oh yeah. No, there, there's any number of ways of doing it. And I'm not even to that point. I've just got, I've got to figure out a, a functional design first. <laughs> but that being said, I, I do have some ideas on uh, eventual manufacture. As well as the idea on, you know, a new uh, bullet design. But, you know, we each have our uh, our hobbies. So that being said, let's hop into some of the other topics we had for the week, too. Yes, anything that's that's not politics, that'll be fun. Indeed. Well... This is, this is the election that never ends, folks. It goes on and on, my friends. It does. Some people started voting, not knowing what it was. And they continued voting forever just because. Even after they died. Yes. So we'll go into the one we were actually talking about just before we got on the air. We'll talk about uh, glyphosate. I've got an article here on uh, Fizzorg basically stating glyphosate may. It's even in their uh, title. Glyph yeah. Glyphosate may affect human gut bacteria. You gave me a perfect breakdown. So I'd rather you just go into this because you're going to do it a lot better justice than I can. So, so glyphosate is a is a for people who don't know what it is, it is Roundup. That's that's really the the short version of what this stuff is. It is a fantastic compound. Uh, it actually uh, basically blocks an enzyme that uh, disables root growth and overall growth within the plant. So, when you disable a, an enzyme that limits the rate of growth. The plant ends up growing continuously and exceeds its nutrient supply, which is why it dies. So typically when you spray Roundup or when you spray glyphosate on a plant, um, you spray it on the leaves, it'll get absorbed into the plant and you will see absolutely zero effect until two weeks later when they all die. Um, because of that, most, of thing, most things like Roundup, when you start talking about what consumers get, uh, they actually get – they have a um, – uh, would uh, uh, not deforestation. Basically, an Agent Orange type thing 
that you spray on associated with the glyphosate, uh, and that ends up causing the leaves to die off, so it gives the appearance that the plant is technically dead. Even though it will be alive for another two weeks, it will continue to grow until it finally dies because the glyphosate kills the entire structure. So that's what glyphosate does. Um, the, the biggest thing that I have is, so this is glyphosate is, is manufactured by Monsanto. They have the Roundup Ready gene that they patented and isolated. They put that into food crops and people, uh, you know, they, the reason that we use it is that we can basically properly manage our crops. We don't have excess nutrient uh, depletion. Uh, farming, you know, we're not using too much water. We're not using uh, as much fertilizer in our crop beds because it's only being utilized by the crops that we want. And that's why we use Roundup Ready crops because we get significantly better yields essentially because we wipe out anything that's not our target crop. And that's what Monsanto's patent essentially does. Um, the thing is that everybody hates Monsanto. And so there is a concerted effort to try to paint. What's that? I am raising my hand here, just uh, in the interest of transparency. Yeah, he, uh, yeah uh, Evan, uh, Evan does not like Monsanto. But uh, they hate Monsanto for a variety of reasons, but from what I've seen, uh, it is largely because it's a biotech company that does genetically modified organisms, and people generally hate anything that's biotech. It, it makes them queasy. Um, and so there is a concerted push to make glyphosate dangerous. And the problem is that it's just it just doesn't really end up being so. So typically within a few minutes to a few days, it'll bind up in the soil and you can walk through a field that's been sprayed by glyphosate and you won't even be able to contact the stuff because it's basically, it's been absorbed into the plants, it's been absorbed into the soil, and it's no longer, uh, you know, it can't even be absorbed by your skin. So what you see is you see these terrifying articles that will come up with all these different and unique ways in which glyphosate is a problem, and then they get re refuted down the line but people will use those articles in cases to argue that glyphosate is dangerous or toxic or hazardous. So uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, an individual uh, received a very sizable settlement arguing that glyphosate causes uh, bone cancer. Turns out that that paper was pretty routinely debunked. It is not determined to cause bone cancer outside of I think one location says it's maybe cancer-causing, and pretty much every study that actually looked at it found huge fundamental flaws in this study, but this guy cited it. He was able to convince a jury that that's the way to go, and they gave him a bunch of money uh, because he developed bone cancer, even though there's, there's no real evidence for it. And the same thing is what we see in this study. So when uh, Evan originally linked this study, I went through it, and what you end up seeing is that there's a lot of caveat words. And every single time you see a study, you should look for these things. This should be the first thing that you look for in a study. It doesn't matter whether it's glyphosate or, you know, the zombie apocalypse. It, realistically, the, the easiest way to tell good science from bad science is to look for how many risk-limiting words that they put into their paper. So in this case, the opening title is it may have an effect on human, buck, uh, human gut microbiota. Um, but you go, uh, you go look at this. They have a bioinformatics tool. Uh, they're potentially sensitive. Um, it provides further tools for further studies to determine the actual impact. So they made this claim 
but throughout the paper in every single in every single paragraph almost they have a word or a phrase that says that it there's no real actual evidence that it does what they say it does and this is a, a very common thing so that's that's kind of the short of the glyphosate stuff is that uh I I see this stuff. I see negative articles about it all the time. They get routinely debunked by a whole bunch of articles. They get none of the fanfare uh, thereafter. Uh, but it it really doesn't appear to be that dangerous, from what I've seen. Uh, and uh, there is a concerted political effort against it, and just because it's Monsanto and nobody likes Monsanto. And just to be uh, devil's advocate here, the uh, long and short of the article is basically. Uh, they're saying that the pathways that uh, exist in you are not something that glyphosate can target. And so they're saying that those pathways do exist in bacteria, so therefore your gut bacteria, they say 54% of it may be susceptible to this. Right. So, so the the argument the argument is that if you get down a series, of, we talked about this, I think, in a couple episodes back, is uh, different gut flora go down metabolic pathways to produce different proteins. So there might be a couple metabolic pathways which are blocked by this, which means that some gut flora may possibly be impacted by glyphosate because they won't go down the pathway or it blocks or interferes or causes another problem, but they have no actual evidence of that. They've just postulated that it's a possibility. And with that being said, there was another one we were talking about that's actually that hits on a couple of issues that uh, might surprise a couple of people, and we're going to talk about milk for a second. Ah, and waste. Do we have to stick to the milk? I mean, this is such a rich topic. There's so many cool things that have been proposed. Well, um, I mean, we'll start off with this particular article and then just kind of go from there. The title of which, oh, obviously I have that link below. Waste milk could be used to reduce power plant carbon dioxide emissions. Now there's, well, uh, I'll let you get into it. So the uh, the, the short of it is... Um... Carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases are, uh, you know, climate change and all that other stuff. And we've talked a, a little bit of, uh, on the show about uh, how Craig or how Craig and I are both very skeptical of the claims associated with the science because, you know, they they say one thing on one page and then they make an entirely different argument from what their actual data justifies. And I am also um, raising my hand again. Yeah. So, so we're all kind of we're all kind of in the same boat here that it is highly suspect for whatever claims that they're making. Uh, you know, I think at the very least it's sensationalized, and at the very most it's outright you know fraudulent in many cases. Um, they basically emphasize the the micro risks from the non micro risks. That being said, CO two and methane are both greenhouse gases. And I don't really like the analogy, but basically what they do is they do have a tendency to trap some of the photons that are on their way out of the atmosphere, uh, and they basically will uh, will capture them, and then they'll re-radiate them at the same energy or lower uh, throughout the rest of the atmosphere. Uh, and this will cause a buildup, uh, which is what causes thermal transfer. 
uh, or thermal a thermal buildup, and this is actually what causes the energy buildup, and this is what the entire basis of climate change is. And that those are real effects. They will absolutely happen. There's no way to stop them from happening. That's how radiative physics works. The question is, what's the magnitude? What's the severity? Uh, and that's that's where we don't really have a lot of good questions. And that's why when you start asking those questions, people start, you know, calling you a chill for the oil companies. But that being said, uh, fossil fuels will always contribute to this thermal buildup in our atmosphere. Whether it's a small effect or a large effect, doesn't really matter. They will continue to do so. Uh, that being said, if we have a way of removing the carbon dioxide or the excess methane from our processes, uh, we could be in a state where we can gain the benefits of really cheap energy production like we have throughout the United States right now without having the, uh, the negative environmental impacts from these emissions. And so... Uh, one of these processes is known as – well, basically, this, this whole field of research is known as carbon capture. And it's, uh, it's actually pretty interesting. There are some really cool solutions out there for ways in which not only can we capture this stuff, but we can capture it at cost or below where it's literally cheaper for us to capture the carbon that comes out as an emission because we can sell the, the products down the line. Now, the original carbon capture that was – proposed is uh would basically be deep injection in saline wells no go away <laughs> yeah no there are, <clears throat> there's a lot better ways of putting carbon away than just putting it in a hole in the ground and actually yeah, that's, and that's it, what this it, kind of uh, proposes but i mean right uh, just right offhand you know one of the best things you can do to actually sequester carbon in a reasonable way charcoal uh yeah char it, for and for the for the cheaper that, things so, you can do it's gonna filter the groundwater that goes back down i mean there's there's so many different and better ways of doing this than building giant plants that do almost nothing well so so they have they have the giant plants and some of those can actually produce fuels down the line there's uh there's a couple of proposals that will do that uh i've seen some proposals that will produce fertilizer down the line I've seen one that actually proposed uh, using uh, doing uh, getting hydrogen out of seawater, and then they would uh, that the byproduct of that would be like calcium carbonate, and they would actually use that to um, sequester uh, and make fuels for like jets or something like that. So this could actually be, and I think there's there's some development on that. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, there's really something to be said for putting the carbon in places where it needs to be. I think there's um, – right in India, I read a story actually of a, uh, a paper plant owner that he needed carbon. So he just got into a deal with one of the uh, local coal-burning plants, and you know he just gets his carbon directly from them and just pumps it directly into his systems, which yep. you know, that sort of integration is – for one, it's a real market solution, and two, it solves your environmental crisis problem. And that's kind of the thing. So, so I expect that we're either going to be looking looking at a nuclear future or a carbon capture future because uh, the original proposals, like we mentioned, was to bury it in a hole in the ground, and that was stupid expensive, and it had no actual value. But in reality, what we're finding is that there's a bunch of different chemical processes where we can store this 
or create compounds which have additional value towards that. And that's kind of what they did here. So one of the things that ends up happening with milk is that there is a lot of waste product. Um, and Let's so uh, look to... at what happened, uh, you know, just a few months back with the COVID lockdown, there were, yes, there were hun hundreds of thousands, if not more gallons of milk that were just destroyed. Yep. That could well, I mean, even well have been dried out and used for this specific purpose. Even, yeah. So at the site with a. I'll let you explain because you're you're a little bit better at this infrastructure stuff than I am. So so what they normally do is they usually tie into a wastewater treatment facility. So we actually I, I was uh, I was looking to work at the uh, the the uh, Johnsonville Gloverstown. I think that's the two turn. They're they're like forty five ish minutes away from me, so they're off in the hinterlands. But uh, an engineer, a chemical engineer, uh, also a rad engineer, he, he's got like degrees up the wazoo. Really respect the guy, PE all the way. Uh, he took me through his plant because I was trying to get in there. Um, and uh, what they they paired up with was a dairy farm. And that allowed the wastewater treatment plant to actually invest a ton of money in brand new infrastructure because milk processing plants tend to have a ton of wastewater. Uh, and a lot of that wastewater has a lot of milk, and there's nothing they can do other than basically dump it down the drain. And that's what ends up happening to to anything that doesn't meet spec, or it, you know, we we have excess separation. So they kick this stuff out to the wastewater treatment plant, and it just it's a mess to try to deal with because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons that are coming in per minute from any standard milk processing facility. Uh, they are they they're filled with bioactive compounds and sulfurs compounds and the rest like you stick your head in the tent where they're they're trying to sort out this milk cuz they have a special like facility just just for the milk and uh there are it's a confined space for people who don't know what a confined space is that means that it is not meant for long-term human occupancy and if you go in there you could die because the off-gassing of this waste milk is that bad. And that's how we basically handle it. We process it through, we get the bacteria to eat it up, we inject it into the rest of our wastewater system, and then we pump it through and we aerate it and try to digest it as much as possible and then send it out a river. Um, but what they're proposing here is that if we take dehydrated milk, uh, we can actually modify it uh, to basically open up uh you know it's it's already going to be a porous material to open up and kind of absorb some of the excess co2 uh allowing to allowing it to to uh do better than some of the current processes that we use which is typically like uh coconut shells or we'll use uh charcoal or something like that and that's actually what we use as our adsorbers uh because they have very great porosity so this could be a great way to turn what is currently an expensive wastewater product Right, so that has a definite market cost associated with milk production into a viable, uh, you know, cost-neutral product that can be uh, well, moved. A money maker. I mean, you're, you should be turning a waste product into a product. Yes. Well, I mean, that's that's what that yeah, that's that's really what they're trying to do. And the the people who, if they succeed in this, this is going to be a big deal because a, it'll help the consumer because their milk costs less because they're not paying to get rid of this wastewater product. 
and it'll help the environment because we're able to take this wastewater product that we have to somehow process uh, and or bury, which is what a lot of this stuff ends up ends up happening to the the final solids here, and we're turning it into something that we can actually use as you know fertilizer or soil or whatever. We can actually entrain the CO2 in that, which uh, which is a, a fantastic innovation. And this is actually what they're doing in most of these chemical processes. Uh, there's a couple things that I've seen that are like elect. Uh, they're basically trying to do like a, a, a battery type cell thing for CO2 carbon capture. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is another way in which we can have market value from something that is a net cost. And this is why carbon capture is more likely to be successful than banning fossil fuels. And to think about our uh, down the line and knock on effects too, you know, this isn't just like a piece of charcoal where it's, uh, if you've ever dealt with dehydrated milk, it's a very fine powder. It's, it's like flour. And so with that being said, it's got tiny, tiny pores. So it's going to be nothing to process once you've turned this into an activated charcoal. So well, you've eliminated it, I... a lot of the parts of the process that you would have with something like coal or with uh, wood charcoal, you know, it's. So, so to, so, well, to understand a little that, bit, I guess, well, what I want to do here is kind of uh, put this into a real world sense. So this is, this is like your good carbon. This is what's going to be in a good mask filter or like a good water filter. You know, these are your high quality products that could be derived from a waste product. So what uh, when we talk about ad adsorbents, uh, right? It's not like a sponge or an absorber. It deposits on the surface area of the um, of the uh, of the actual material. And to understand what we're talking about here, and to put it into perspective, the actual surface area of a gram of activated carbon is about two meters squared or it's almost three square meters right so if you were to if you were to take a field that's how much surface area is in just a gram of carbon now obviously you're not seeing a gram of carbon over three meters squared so what ends up happening is in this three-dimensional structure, it just has all of these little pores, and each of these little pores can fill uh, some of these compounds, and that's what they're trying to do with the powdered milk. Now, they wouldn't be able to get there normally, but apparent, what, it, what it looks like they're doing is they have something else, some other compound that comes into their process, and they, it doesn't surprise me they don't list it, right, because that would be proprietary. Um, but it's going to etch those holes, which is what gives it the greater porosity. Uh, and it looks like they are, they're going to get pretty close to what uh, carbon, like actual carbon, is capable of doing, which is kind of cool. Really cool. I mean, it's, well, yeah, it's turning a waste product into a marketable product. Yep. To put it very simply. And, and I mean, we talk about carbon capture here, but realistically, if they succeed in this, this would probably be something that you would end up seeing uh, in in a lot of other industries. It looks like they, based on what I'm reading here, they have some problems with water still, uh, probably because it reconstitutes some of the, the milk type substance. It's not a, a perfect transformation, but there's a lot of other areas where we end up using, um, we end up using activated charcoal filters and that's for a lot of ESH stuff. So I've, uh, I've actually, I've written a procedure that will 
use it to deal with some of the odors and vapors from, uh, you know, asbestos remediation. Uh, because if you want to pick up floor tile, it's this big gooey mess. You got to use mass dissolve to get rid of the mastic. And so those vapors have to go somewhere because you can't vent them into the people space because people can't breathe mass dissolve. So the ethylene glycol, which is the principal component, uh, will go into a, an absorber like this that would be handled completely dry. And we'd be able to use this as a potentially cheaper alternative to activated carbon. So when we start talking about this being a marketable product, it's not just that we have a use for it. So it's got some sort of cost other than negative for the milk producers. This could actually be used in a lot of other applications, which would, uh, you know, turn it into uh, an actual positive rather than even just a neutral. So we're probably looking at something that's good for the entire milk industry, the entire dairy industry, uh, if they, they pull this off. And speaking about that, that's, uh, well, not specifically that, but I mean, that's such a perfect segue about, you know, filtering your smells and everything that we should just drop straight into the synthetic snot. Oh God. I, you know, I saw this, I saw this and this is, um, I, I I do not doubt any of what they so the first article that we talked about here was the one that was like glyphosate may possibly do this. I have zero doubt that this does what they say it does. The problem that I have is every once in a while you get some scientists who just don't want to call a spade a spade. And let what me, they did let here me read this off too so that we can have a little bit of context. The uh, article is anti-COVID-19 nasal sure. spray, quote-unquote, ready for use in humans. That is, to say the least, a, uh, a simplification of the situation. So, so, so what, what they, they did is they, they produced a spray that goes in your nose and it acts like snot. So, so it basically creates boogers. Right. It, it is it is synthetic snot that you can add. And this is this is nothing more than what your current mucus does the stuff that you snort and you cough and you blow your nose. That's what this stuff is. Uh, we produce it for the same purpose, which is basically little particulates get trapped in it. It entrains on it. It solidifies. It hardens. And then we either blow it out, we pick it out, or we uh, you know, swallow it and digest it. And if you read this article, that's all they do. So I have absolutely zero doubt in my mind that this will uh, you know, have an effect on COVID-19 because our mucus has an effect on COVID-19. But it's always funny when you see some of these things that are like just about ready for market use and they want to try to like make it palatable to people. And so instead of saying, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've just come up with a way to, to make a snot booster. <laughs> you can just, you just huff some snot every day. Uh, they, they've tried to turn it into a like anti-COVID-19 nasal spray and all this other stuff. It's probably something that would be good to use for almost any cold and flu. Uh, and uh, all it does is it basically captures the particulates, dries out, and then uh, you either pick your nose or you eat it. Or you get one yeah. of those uh, nasal uh, neti pot things. Neti pot? What's, oh, yeah, yeah, one of those. Uh, yeah, that thing's awesome. weird, man. I haven't. That tried creeps me. So. That creeps me the hell out. I have heard of new ones that are powered. That it's just like you put the thing on, it goes in the one, comes out the other. So it's not like having to tilt your head to the side and pour an actual pot of water through your head. Yeah, that 
I I have snorted water before. If I have like if I have something set off my allergies, it's dust for me. But if I have something that does that, I will absolutely use water to try to clear it. But man, I would not want to have a whole gallon of that crap come down my nose. No siree. But uh, this is this is an interesting concept. There's not much to really say. They made synthetic snot. It'll work just as well as regular snot. They just it's just extra snot. You are going to be extra boogery if you use this product. That's so if a, you have a problem with boogers, problem. You know that it might help. Every little thing does, right? Ah, uh, yeah, I suppose some things. Some things help. Well, you know, maybe you could. Uh, at the very least, this could, uh, you know, work for the mask on crowd. They'll be happy about it. And I mean, that said, too, there there are uses for this for people that have, like, dry noses or are particularly, yep. you know, at risk. I mean, it's a good product. Uh, I mean, this this is so so obviously I'm I'm uh, I'm not on the the pro mask side of things. I would rather see something like this used than a mask in a hospital, uh, because I suspect this is going to be more effective than those cloth masks that they give you. Oh, this, uh, that being this said, absolutely would be more effective than the bandana or the uh, what? Yeah, the neck gaiters that people are wearing and all yep. of that. Uh, ninety nine. So, so masks don't work. We're all kind of in agreement there. Respirators might work. We have debate about that. Um, but ultimately, the the cloth masks are terrible. Yeah. Um, and and I would rather I see mean, something like this because I can guarantee really you this is, is going to provide a significant effect and it's going to be less impactful to you throughout the day because it's something like 48 hours that it lasts there. So it's like super snot, by the way. I love super – this is just – I just wish that they were honest about it. I just wish they were like, yeah, we invented super snot. Yeah, I mean it could be uh, – it, it could be presented a lot better, but I, I guess they're trying to uh... – go with a current cultural narrative but i mean it could really it could have done a better job but whatever yeah there's there's a thousand potential uses for this this is this is probably a very good product for anything where we're dealing with hygienic stuff that's a problem so again hospitals and that's very good for that uh, to make note of what's actually being referenced here it's made with stuff that's already recognized for use in humans so it's pretty much just a come up with the right levels of things and then put it to market because it's all you know fda approved in uh the eu us europe uk i I mean the the, what i kind of hope so i'm hoping that they're not trying to do it as a drug or run through that process obviously there's more potential money in that but they could do mass market, and they would have, be less constrained, and I suspect this is probably a good product. As much as I'm joking about the fact that it's super snot and mega boogers, right? Like, I think this is probably a useful product. We, we have the best boogers, folks. We have the, we have the best snot. America makes the best snot and the best Listen, boogers. Trump makes the best snot. Let's be honest. <laughs> Huge. Huge snot. Every, Huge everybody, loves, everybody loves Trump's snot. Huge boogers. Huge boogers. Big league boogers. Big league, yes. So I have got another article that I haven't dropped on you, and this one's actually just legitimately interesting, and I've been doing some thinking on some outside-the-box uses. It's about uh, a drug for progeria. I'll let you look over that a little bit, and while you do, I'll do a bit of an explanation. So with uh, progeria, it's... 
like the uh, rapid aging disease. And generally, people with it, they don't live past their teens. And this drug, uh, what the, uh, how is it they explain the usage of this? Uh, testing on this began in 2007. Uh, is this one? It, uh, they say there's 400 people worldwide, including this, uh, but, uh, but including 20 in the U.S. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself because I don't know enough doctorly stuff that have uh, got this, and people usually live in their teens. It's not an inherited thing. It's just something that happens. Progeria is based on um, a thing called progerin that builds up, and there's nothing that these people can do about it. It's like being a... Uh, that thing where you bleed really freely. Hemophilia. Yes, thank you, sir. It's like a hemophiliac type of thing. It's just your body doesn't do something right. Now, what this does... It causes your body to basically, like, where your blood wouldn't clot as a hemophiliac, this is like a clotting agent, to uh, put it into an analogy that's easily understood. What it does, it blocks the projection and accumulation of the protein to, that causes that premature aging. This is really interesting. I, you know, I know I, I suspect that you dropped this because of what's coming down the pipeline, because I know it's coming down the pipeline. Um, I don't think so. So there was a lot of research back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, into progeria as a means of looking at immortality, because it ends up looking like these kids age. But what they, they found is that it's not, it's, it's really just this kind of protein buildup issue um and so it, it the, the buildup uh results in a lot of damage the damage is what causes the aging symptoms but um the aging is not like it's it's not natural so we're not really able to we wouldn't be able to use this as a long term if anybody's sitting there and thinking this drug will do something for you for uh, your your senescence and you know extending your lifespan it probably won't it really would just be for this specific group of people well not exactly. um not exactly something that this could be useful is people with heart disease and what this specifically works against is a hardening of the arteries so that it could very well see use but it's uh it's I see. I'm not sure it's it's all the hardening hardening of the arteries because because reading this this is it looks like it's just for the the progerin stuff. So so when we start talking about most hardening of the arteries, uh, so, so there's actually there's a I'm gonna have to go look and see if I can find it. There's a great article on cholesterol and why cholesterol is good, bad, or how it gets in your system. I had um I had a boss. Uh, a few years ago who argued that me eating a bunch of eggs is going to spike my cholesterol and i thought that was kind of weird um and i read up on it and that's that's not the modern research on cholesterol um but it, when we start talking about cholesterol uh, which is what causes your arteries to harden uh it's actually not the cholesterol itself so you have your hdls which is your high density uh, lipoproteins and your LDLs, which is your low-density lipoproteins. And basically, think of it as like a fat globule 
uh, that your your system emits and kicks out into the bloodstream. And it, it goes off in the bloodstream and it travels around and it bounces around your cell walls. And each time it bounces around, it uh, leaves a little bit of residue which gets absorbed into the cells. Now, your HDLs are your, your high-density lipoproteins. They don't really bond to anything. They don't really get stuck. They keep on getting moved along by the flow of atoms and molecules that is your bloodstream. So if you have high HDL, that's not really a bad thing. You're basically you know, uh, you know, providing nutrients to your cells. But high LDL is a risk because for certain people, and it's not everybody who has high LDL, by the way, uh, for L for folks with high LDL, LDL is a risk for uh, developing hardened arteries because what ends up happening is the LDL proteins are much more much smaller. Now the HDLs do actually slowly convert to the LDLs uh, as they lose as they lose this thing because it's just kind of the amount of fat that's in the in the little ball that gets kicked out into your system. Um, but the the LDLs, what ends up causing the hardening of the arteries is they'll get stuck on the sidewall of your arteries, and this requires your artery to have a sidewall that it can actually adhere to. Uh, it requires, and then the second part after that is your immune system comes along and says, "Hey, that's not supposed to be there," and it does the same thing that the immune system always does whenever it finds anything that's not supposed to be there. It attacks it. And that's what causes the hardening of the arteries because it attacks it, and it's part of your body. So you know, it, it, what's it going to do? It can't destroy a, a you know a fat globule because it's a fat globule. It's not you know it's not a cell. They can't stop it from functioning. They can't just absorb it and move on. So they uh, the your your uh, your immune system comes in and attacks it. They start building up stuff, uh, you know, and they continue to attack it as it's attached to the wall, and that's what causes the buildup in your in your arteries that's what causes your arteries to harden is not the the build of progerin it's actually the the immune response to the ldl cholesterol in your bloodstream uh and that well actually the ldl that has implanted itself on the wall of your bloodstream that's what causes your uh, your problems so i don't know if this drug would truly address that considering that's more of an autoimmune issue than it is it's a sole use kind of tool but that said it would be another tool in the toolbox for dealing with heart disease yes well maybe maybe again i'm not seeing anything here i'm not seeing anything here that indicates that i mean but how much progerin i mean i think it would require a new look at some things to see if it is applicable Maybe, maybe. I mean, they they talk about they talk about the heart disease thing here. I'm trying to find out where because I saw this when I read through the article, but I don't think I'm not seeing anything here that looks like a mechanism of action for that. When we start talking about what the the actual cause of like, but above and beyond that, just to put it out that there, stuff there's a a person now of uh, of the ones in the study. The oldest uh, that has been taking it for 13 years is 24 at this time, which is Wow, that's amazingly old for someone with progeria. That's that's really quite excellent. Could you imagine, like, what category would you put somebody with uh, with progeria in for porn? Like, are they going to enter the? There, there are. Just, I'm just, I'm trying to think of where you put it because you'd be like, ah, I'm 25, and hello, Sonny, it's time for some cookies and warm milk. I just. I don't know enough Japanese, but I think there's uh, I think there there's probably a Japanese uh, specific one for that. 
I I am sure there is or at because the very least, there is a, a manga or something that is on that exact topic. So there 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 has to be because the internet is an amazing place and. But yeah, no, getting twenty four is very impressive. These kids don't typically list last outside their yeah, teens. Yeah, and and not late teens either. Like yeah, a, like a long you barely with you're lucky if you get through get through high school. Very lucky if you get through high school. Yeah, so this is it. Really, is quite something for what it is. And having said that, we'll go into the next article we've got linked here, which uses well known current technology that's been around for quite some while a barometric barometric chamber is that right uh, excuse me hyperbaric chamber a hyperbaric oxygen chamber i mean you're actually not terribly far off they're, they're kind of the same thing well yeah but i don't want to be inaccurate but what eh. this uh, has come out to say is this has reversed the uh, well i'll read you the title from the daily mail Yes, the scientists you'll have to simply... you'll have to link it because I don't think I've seen this one. Oh, just scroll up a little bit. All right, it's right above the uh, milk article. Oh, I have to go back up that far. Oh, oh the uh, yeah, I so, I did look at this briefly. Reverse aging process, oxygen's treatment, oxygen treat. The title writing is horrible. Scientists. Successfully reverse human aging process. Oxygen treatment altered elderly people's bodies at a cellular level to how they were 25 years earlier, researchers claim. Good God, get a title editor, people. Fuck's sake. That's horrible. Anyway, breathing pure oxygen may help reverse the aging process, scientists claim. Uh, what they're doing here, they've put people into a uh, hyperbaric oxygen chamber and uh, it basically... What's the term I'm looking for? Super saturates your body with oxygen. And, that'd be uh, that'd be accurate. And so this actually this lines up uh, pretty well with a bunch of other studies and something that my wife is desperately she's gonna be like creepy and old. Um, but uh, there's actually a lot of a lot of folks who have been looking into different ways to extend their lifespan. And one of the ways that they've they've found that can radically alter. Uh, your mental capacity is a blood transfusion from essentially a teenager. Um, and so if you get, if an old person gets young person's blood, uh, it will reverse significant aging diseases as well as produce significant amounts of mental acuity. And they haven't quite figured out why. Um, but most likely, and I think this is the, the leading hypothesis, I, I I couch this in a lot of terms because I haven't looked at this this line of research in a long time because sampling the blood of the young is kind of like vampire levels of weird. Um, but the, the leading hypothesis is that more oxygen is getting to the rest of your organs. So essentially, the idea would be that your hemoglobin or whatever other compounds in your blood that carry oxygen to the rest of your systems kind of break down or aren't quite as efficient uh, in your later generated cells as they are in the earlier generated cells. And so therefore, uh, younger blood has whatever combination of umpapa to bring you out of your, your, your kind of your senescence. 
and uh, this also, would let me this add would to what you just said and say that <clears throat> some of the research I've seen on that in the adverse when the old blood is taken I've seen these studies in mice models obviously it'd be incredibly unethical but to take uh, old blood from mice and put into uh, very young mice you find that it retards them it yes. makes them as though they were significantly older it takes a very young mouse and makes them biologically akin to a middle-aged mouse if you take you know an old mouse's blood and put in there so so this is uh, you know i think one of the the leading hypothesis is that oxygen De your, the oxygen that's available in your bloodstream decreases with age, which is certainly possible, and it would make sense. It's why we would get tired much more as we, you know, as we age, as we hit our 30s and our 40s, we start to get more tired. Uh, we need more sleep. It's because we're literally not breathing, or we're breathing as well as we used to, but we're not pumping as much oxygen or that we're not absorbing as much oxygen from the blood as as this and this would kind of confirm that because if you hypersaturate people and it causes the same effect it would seem to indicate that that's part of the issue now there's actually a lot of different research into synthetic bloods um which they haven't quite really gone anywhere and it's really that actually is a, a pet peeve of mine it's that and uh they haven't gone anywhere it's just that Many of the ones that have been developed, to my understanding, I am years behind, but many of the ones that have been developed, they don't last. They break down. Your body can process them, but they're, they're not able to do their, uh, their magic, as it were, for very long. Like the, these, uh, A lot of these that I am to understand exist out there. They can be supersaturated beyond what your normal one would be able to, but they break down much more quickly. So so a lot of the synthetic blood stuff was developed for like blood transfusions. Because um, actually, I, I don't think a lot of people remember, but there was, I think it was prior to 9-11 actually, uh, we had very low blood bank numbers. Um, and so they were constantly like that you used to actually be able to get paid to donate your bodily fluids. It's not just, you know, going down to the local sperm bank and whacking off in a cup. You used to get 25 to 50 bucks to go in and donate blood, uh, you know, a couple times a month. And that's no longer the case because we've had enough significant disasters that the Red Cross has gotten really good at milking everybody for all that they're worth. Uh, with like you know movie tickets or something like that, um, but back in the day there was a lot of research into synthetic bloods, uh, and what they were usually able to develop is a compound that was so your blood when you look at blood right it's an amazing mixture you have your plasma you have your your red blood cells your white blood cells it does three major things one it transports nutrients throughout your body. And that it does very, very well. Uh, it, the second thing that it does is it transports oxygen throughout your body and does that very, very well. And the third thing that it does is it contains and transports your immune system throughout your body, and it does that very, very well. And the problem that they had is that they would get one or maybe two of those features into a synthetic blood, but they wouldn't get all three. So you couldn't really use it. At, you know, if somebody is bleeding out, 
right? Obviously, I want them to get cellular nutrients and oxygen, and I'm a little bit less concerned about, say, the immune system. But if I'm only able to get one of those features into my synthetic blood, it's not particularly useful because they're still going to die, right? So, so as soon as I think. Um, I think it was after, like, I think I'm pretty sure it was 9/11, where they they started. They got to the point where they had so many blood donations coming in and people doing it so often and so regularly that they actually had to like secretly destroy the excess um, because you know they don't want to they don't want to run into a point where people stop donating. So they didn't want to tell them that they couldn't donate anymore, but they ended up having to uh, destroy their excess. Right, but that's kind of when the uh, the research into uh, government drift at all. <clears throat> yeah anyway. yeah right this doesn't exist so, in systems this, this is a solely a completely isolated incident this kind of thing is not rampant <clears throat> anyway please continue um but they they wanted to they wanted to turn around and they wanted to they, we basically lost interest in a lot of the synthetic bloods because we had sufficient blood. And then, you know, like we ran into the same thing with uh, the tsunami. Uh, this, I think the next major disaster was the tsunami uh, over in wherever. And they milked the crap out of that. And obviously, you know, no American citizen's blood is getting sent over to wherever that, that, that tsunami was because there's no viable way to transport it there in a reasonable period of time. Plus, you know, when a giant wave of water hits, usually it's bleeding is not your major problem. <laughs> like that's that's drowning is an issue, blankets are an issue, but blood is usually not. But they were still milking the the human population for all they could get. So they they haven't really had a shortage of blood because we've kind of gone with uh, relatively consistent disasters and kind of a you know global consciousness, if you will. Um, and so I think a lot of that work has kind of stalled because there's there's less money in it. Yeah, Blood well, is cheap I mean, nowadays. Where it used to be fifty bucks a pint, now it's like you know, twenty ish. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is kind of the way that the world ought to work. Market forces decide. That said, you know, as we get on to Mars and that sort of thing, we are going to need this. So it's good that we have the base level uh, research there. You know that we can build on. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a, a variety of ways to do it. We've gotten better at controlling our reactions. We've gotten, uh, you know, the other problem that we used to have was AIDS, uh, and we we can filter that out and screen that out nowadays. So that's not really an issue. So you know, we we've got a, a like a thousand different ways to treat current blood, which means that we're we're just not strapped for it right now. And you're, but you're right. As we start talking about isolating populations with a very small population in space, I mean, I would not want to be as as a, an individual who's perceived as a universal donor. I don't want to be the dude who gets trapped on Mars. That seems to be <laughs> seems to be the <laughs> the low hanging fruit on the mission there. Indeed, indeed. Oh, and just to clarify on uh, the specific results of this is. Uh, what most people have heard of your telomeres, this results in a shortening of those telomeres, which is like that's that's the the thing to look for in aging. Oh, the uh, the the oxygen therapy reduces your shortens your telomeres. Mm -hmm. Indeed, yeah, the uh, hyperbaric. Did it? I didn't. I didn't catch that. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, realistically, that's that's kind of what ends up happening, right? The more oxygen you get in your system, the more 
reactions occur and oxidizing yeah. compounds is what was like the thing to try to diet for the other you know what was it 10 years ago oh yeah i mean i even i mean that's partially how i do my eating but that said yeah this this is basically it you're uh to to put it simply your telomeres are your biological clock when the clock runs out the clock runs out and this turns back the hands hmm. to put it in a the simplest of terms Oh, it didn't shorten the telomeres. It, it grew them. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it actually says results show the trial enabled telomeres to regrow by more than 20% while their senescent cells, uh, while senescent cells had been reduced by up to 37%. Oh, that's fascinating. That's actually even... That's yeah, even so it's not, it's not just a mental effect. It looks like it physically de-ages you. Well, not well to say it de-ages you. It, I don't. What you're saying now—that's not actually an adequate way of describing it. What it does is, your clock goes from twelve hours to thirteen hours, and the hands just kind of stay where they are. But where they are is farther back on the clock. Because your clock. No, actually, sick. according to this, it says that from a, a based on a cellular analysis, that the bodies were able to regress to about twenty five years earlier. Really? Yeah, that's that's I mean, what I... the cellular equivalent. It's twenty five years of de aging. So obviously, I'm going to have to buy a hyperbaric chamber. That Maybe. seems to be on my my wish list for. Well, let me just. Uh... Up on eBay here, see what they're uh, going yeah. for today. Hyper Barrick Chamber. How much are those going for? I imagine they're catching a premium today. Holy crap, that's not expensive at all. No, actually, a lot of a lot of athletes use it, so it's probably a couple thousand. Yeah, a twenty-seven inch, which is uh, you're gonna wait—is that high or long? <laughs> that would be a very short chamber. Yes. Uh, let me see here. 27 inch. I'm assuming tall, but oh, 91 long. So yeah, okay. For 39.95. That's that's yeah. a fairly cheap price. I mean, you'll have to pay. Well, take a look at soon. take a look at the 33 inch there. That's just a little bit below it, right? Yeah, indeed. You're at you're at 6,800, and you you got like pillows and a book and. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, they've got maybe a, that'll a be nice uh, once once I finish my house off. renovations. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Well, yeah, okay. So uh, everybody, start saving your money for uh, one of those. Of course, you'll need an oxygen uh, oxygen pump, but you know those are you know really uh, so so the you could probably so i i knew an engineer who um had a and i have to pick his brain see if he'd ever tell me but he used to run a company that builds skids for oxygen production and he would do it from coconut shells that's all he told me i don't remember what he did to the coconut shells because he wouldn't tell me what he did to the coconut shells but he could actually generate pretty much as much oxygen as you wanted from coconut shells and uh I'm sure there's. I, I could probably go look up whatever his process is because I'm sure he's not. He's not the most brilliant guy, but he is a grifter and a half. And I'm very impressed 
his skill is uh is in how well he can sell other people's stuff. <laughs> but um uh, you know, you you can but bu- probably buy for ten grand plus your chamber there. Uh all the supply that you need. Oh yeah, how about that? But, yeah. So yeah, you can uh and this is above and beyond some of the other methods that exist out there. <clears throat> There's a whole conversation like, to be had with all the various methods that exist today to start turning back your clock. Like, could you imagine just, you know, you set up a bed in there. Every night you go to bed, you wake up, and you go about your daily life, and you go back to the the thing for... Of course, again, we go back to like every time we start talking about blood and oxygen and shit like that, it goes like straight to vampire land. This is like not much different than a coffin. I'm down. That the vampire wakes up out of. I'm just, I'm just there. saying. Right kind of weird. I am down. <laughs> Man. And then, of course, you know, you've got your, um, pluripotent stem cell treatments that you can get today, those will roll you back about 10 years, as well as that those work very well on physical damage. I, You know, I should probably just keep a couple fetuses in storage. I, I have a tendency to just what you have get a little little bit more damage than I should. I've had uh, I've had to go to the hospital twice this year. I've had uh, I've had enough visits for for this year. Just a just a couple feti to Kick it up a notch. Keep you held over. Yeah, yeah. Go, go for the old cracking, cracking sniff. Uh, at least that's that's how they did it on South Park. I'm sure that's really what the process is. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Well, we've covered all the topics I wanted to get into, and we are going to have to have another uh, conversation on age-related. Uh, we keep, we because keep. The thing about age that combo. is, it is like anything else just a disease and yes it is people mysticalize uh mystify excuse me they mystify and deify death when it's it's a process you know it's like rust on a car you can get the rust off of there you know you're There's a, you uh... are just like a car if you want a car to run forever it can if you want to put in the money you know just Whenever it rusts, treat the rust, cover it back up. If it gets too bad, fill it back in. You certainly can. You can even fill it back in with the metal it was made of nowadays. There are common, common material processes for that. And those same common material processes are coming around for biological beings. It is, it is, I am looking forward to the future. I I will absolutely say, I think that before I get to the point where I, assuming I don't happen to like, you know, obliterate myself in a horrible, horrible accident, uh, I am very likely to get to the point where in my lifetime I will see the end of death. Well, if not the end of death, we will not be seeing the end of death, but we will see the end of age. For for all intents and purposes. I mean, obviously you can't stop murder e bits. Because the murdery bits are the murdery bits, but probably the end of age, and uh, certainly within a certain period of time beyond that, the reversal of age. Um, well, and I think that's going to be a, to an amazing right thing. I mean, the stem cell treatments pretty much do that. 
in a nutshell and this uh, hyperbaric treatment i mean that uh that does it for your innards so if you can do it for your innards and your outards then that's a whole machine and with that well, what's left after that uh, well the stars of course our birthright where we belong <laughs> so with that said let's sign off then been a pleasure steve indeed